Aren't you glad Jesus is in the middle of it all, that he's with us? Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 14 today. Uh, Acts chapter 14, and uh, we're, the main portion of our text is verse 11 and following, but we're going to look at verse uh, 6 as well here in a moment. Um, the Bible says that God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah didn't really want to go to Nineveh, and he went reluctantly after spending some time in a fish. And uh, the Scripture tells us that Jonah preached the gospel in Nineveh, turned from their sin, and God spared the city of Nineveh. Jonah was grumbling about the plant that had died, and God uh, said, look, should, should you be angry about this? He says, yes, I'm angry enough to die. God says, well, how about these people? These people that don't know their right from their left. How much more should I care for them and be concerned for them? Uh, because they did not have the Word of God, uh, and, and they needed Jesus. And, of course, he didn't use the Jesus name, but, but that's the case. They needed the redemption that only Jesus could provide. Listen, uh, this world is under the deception of the evil one, the Bible says. And there's an answer, and it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Word of God, and the, the deception of the enemy can be overcome through the Word of God shared in the power of the Spirit, and not just by preachers, but by every individual Christian who is able to interact with others and let them know about the message of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful, powerful work. Um, Paul and Barnabas are traveling from place to place, uh, verse 6 says they fled Iconium, they went to Lystra and, uh, and to Derbe, and, and they're uh, preaching the gospel as they go. Uh, these are places where they went through, through difficulty and opposition, but the gospel preached was making a difference. In each of these places, churches were established, and then Paul and Barnabas come back, through these cities, and minister and strengthen these churches. And how do they do it? Through the Word of God, shared in the power of the Spirit. They established these churches. And I want to tell you something. The work that they did in, in sharing the gospel in these places is still bearing fruit today. Uh, Europe was changed. Ultimately, uh, the U.S. has been impacted by that, and we're probably sitting in this building today because of the faithfulness of Paul and Barnabas to go to these places and preach the gospel. And I want to tell you something. As you share the gospel in your home, and as you share the gospel with those you know, there's a power in it that can make a lasting difference. How do we overcome the deception in this world? There's one answer. It is through the Word of God shared in the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, the title of my message is Overcoming Deception. We need to look to God in faith to use us as we share the message with those that don't know Christ. Uh, if you look with me in verses 6 and 7, it says here, They found out about it and fled to this, this plot, fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding countryside, there they continued preaching the gospel. And then if you look at verse 11, it says, When the crowd saw 
what Paul had done, that is the miracle of healing the lame man. They shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker, uh, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, uh, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. The apostles, Barnabas and Paul, tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, People, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you. And we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up, went into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derbe. After they had preached the gospel in that town and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to, uh, to Pamphylia, After they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a considerable time with the disciples, overcoming deception. Sometimes as I look around at everything that's going on in our culture, I'm amazed by how much deception there is in this world. Uh, and, and sometimes we might be tempted to think, well, as Christians, how can, we overflo- over, over, uh, how can we overcome the flood and the tide of deception that is occurring in our culture today? But I want to tell you, what's happening today is nothing new. Uh, In those days, Paul and Barnabas were going to places that had never heard the gospel. They had been steeped in deception for many, many years. And so they were able, through the power of the gospel, to overcome this deception. Uh, So uh, how did they overcome this deception? Well, the first thing they did is they kept sharing. So we need to keep sharing. So how do you overcome deception? You need to keep sharing. Keep on sharing. Verse 7 says they continued preaching the gospel. This same word that's translated in our English text, preaching the gospel, appears three times in this text. Uh, They were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. They did not stop. They continued on and they kept sharing. They also didn't give up due to persecution. 
What happened in Iconium? Well, there's a plot for their lives, and so they fled to Lystra. What happened at Lystra? They're stoned at Lystra. But what do they do? They keep preaching the gospel. They don't give up. They keep sharing the truth that can set people free. And they come back through those towns and disciple those people and strengthen them in the things of God. They kept sharing. Listen, we cannot be silent as God's people. I know there's, there are those in our culture, there are even those in our government who don't want Christians sharing the truth of the message of the gospel. I want to tell you something. It's the hope uh, of our lives. It's the hope of our families. It's the hope of this church. It's the hope of this nation. We must keep sharing. And it's amazing what God can do. Um, I've, I've pastored three churches in my lifetime. Uh, first two churches, I was there for five years apiece, uh, and I'm in my 20th year here. And so, uh, but what, I've, what I've been able to see in the times that God has given me in sharing the Word of God is that God changes people through His Word. He's changed me through His Word. Uh, listen, you think, you think you're being ministered to by the Word? I'm being ministered to by the Word. As I prepare, God works me over, and He, he deals with me. And so there's power in it, and as we keep and persevere. Listen, I remember when my kids were growing up. They were good kids. I didn't have a lot of trouble from my kids, and I thank God for that. Um, But one thing I did notice is that it took a long time for that to really take root to where it began to affect their hearts. Um, For David, uh, I began to see the fruit of that in high school uh, in, in a pretty powerful way. And Megan... Uh, there was some fruit earlier, but there was also uh, the main fruit that I saw where she really began to be on fire for the Lord was in college. Have you ever felt as a parent, I, what I'm saying to my kids is not getting through? Can I tell you, welcome to the club? Okay. David used to tell me, he used to say, Dad, I used to be so bored when you would talk to us about Jesus. I, you know, I, I, he, he, he was looking around and, uh, you know, there's everything I could do to keep their attention, you know, but you just keep sharing, right? Keep sharing, keep pouring it in, and eventually it will bear fruit. So uh, keep sharing, and that helps to overcome the deception. We overcome the lie with the truth. So overcoming deception, how do you do it? You need to keep sharing. Secondly, you need to keep questioning. Keep questioning. Verse 15, people, why are you doing these things? So they're, they're getting ready to sacrifice um, animals. I always found it ironic when I read this passage. In one minute, they're, they're wanting to worship them as gods. The next minute, they're stoning them. Okay? So um, what, a, what a, uh, an ironic uh, series of events here. Uh, so they're trying to worship Paul and Barnabas, and they say, what are you doing? Why are you doing these things? And they're questioning this, and they're challenging it. Uh, I think a good question can go a long way to helping people think through uh, something they believe that is a deception. Um, these people had believed in Greek gods their entire lives, and so it was natural for them uh, when they saw Paul and Barnabas to think, okay, some Greek gods have come down to, to minister to us and uh, work some miracles. They were excited. They were about to have a party and, and uh, do some worship. Paul says, no, you, you've misunderstood. And, and, but he's asking this question, why are you doing this? And sometimes we've got to question what's going on. We've got to question the status quo uh, 
uh, in this world, whether that's in belief or whether that's in action. Uh, we need to question. Uh, we need to speak the truth and love, the Scripture says, to speak with grace sprinkled with salt. Sometimes a very tactful way to engage somebody is to ask a question, right? Um, a few years ago, uh, Ray Comfort uh, did a, uh, a thing about evolution, and he was going from he was going to college campus to college campus, uh, talking to science students about evolution. And so he he would ask him, "Well, okay, uh, so you you believe it, it, we were in the water, we were some uh, creature in the water, and then we became well? How'd that happen? How did we transition from this to that? Well, I don't know." Well, I don't know. And you hear this theme. Well, how does this transition happen? I don't know. Uh, and he asked that question over and over again. He got to where he talked to one of the professors that was there, who was a professor of biology. Well, well, how does, how does this transition happen? Uh, and he could not give an answer e- either. And through the questions, he showed the error that was there in the theory of evolution. Uh, the irony is, there's a whole lot more evidence. The more evidence we get that this universe was designed, which, guess what, is what God has always taught. That we live in a world created by a living God. And so, but through the questions, he was able to engage. Now, uh, sometimes we may ask a question to challenge a belief. Uh, Jesus was great at asking questions, and uh, uh, I love the, the who is my neighbor, uh, right? They're asking, who is my neighbor? And uh, they're asking Jesus a question. And, uh, and Jesus tells the story of, of the Good Samaritan, right? Well, well who's my neighbor? The, my neighbor is my enemy. And I need to be, who acted as a good neighbor? Jesus asked him, well, the man that helped him. And uh, you know, the priest walked by, the Levite walked by, but the Samaritan, the man that was supposed to be his enemy, stopped and ministered to his needs. Uh, and so Jesus says, who's, who's the man who's most acting like a good neighbor? Go and do likewise. You see, Jesus used question to, to challenge the belief. What was their belief? Well, I can be very specific about who I call my neighbor, and I don't have to help a bunch of people. But Jesus challenged that through his questions. So we can do that. So um, we also need to be careful about, as we ask questions, that we do so in a humble, uh, respectful way. Sometimes as Christians, we can uh, come across in the wrong way. We can be angry. Have you ever seen somebody uh, in anger debate somebody? What does that do? If you're a Christian and you're debating in anger, what does that do? It builds a wall. If you're trying to reach that person, your goal is going to be thwarted. Why? Because the wall comes up, and it doesn't matter what you say after that point. They are not going to yield, to, uh, and they're not going to listen because you've offended them. And so we need to be kind in the way that we go about uh, interacting with people and asking questions. And one way to do that is to pray that God will fill you with His Spirit as you talk with them and that he'll help you genuinely love that person as you interact. And so so keep questioning. Uh, Also question what's being preached from the pulpit. Okay, Now I'll do my best 
to preach the Word of God, uh, to rightly divide the Word of truth. I pray for that. I, I study. I try to do the, the best job that I can. But it doesn't matter who's preaching in the pulpit. You need to question it. Not question it in terms of not believing it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, question, is this what the Bible really teaches? Okay? There's a lot of people out there that come up with an opinion and try to justify it with Scripture. Right? And it may not be what the Scripture intends. So what do you do? You read the Scripture in its context, and you say, is this really what this passage is saying? And that can go a long way to overcoming deception in the church. How do people get led astray? Because they don't question. I, I'll never forget, uh, years ago when I was in Texas, um, there was a man, he was a pastor of a church, he was involved in several affairs in his church, uh, and they interviewed a lady on the street who was a, a member of the church, and they asked her, uh, has your attitude changed towards your pastor? And she said, well, he's a man of God, and, and I'm going to follow him. And I thought, what? It, it, he's disqualified himself, and you're calling him a man of God? You're saying, I trust him? What's going on here? We need to have some questioning. Listen, if, if I'm involved in multiple affairs, you need to fire me and send me down the road, okay? That's what you need to do. Uh, so, we question. As you question, you question. It helps uh, to overcome deception as you share the gospel, but also uh, in your personal life. So, keep sharing. How do you overcome deception? Keep sharing. Keep questioning. Keep explaining. So, uh, Paul and Barnabas are saying, hey, why are you doing this? This is not what we're about. But look, if you look in verse 15, he says, we're people just like you. In other words, we're human beings. And we're proclaiming the good news to you, that you turn from these worthless things. Sometimes you've got to be able to explain what's bad before you can explain what's good. Turn from these worthless things, these things that are not doing you any good. The worship of these Greek gods wasn't doing them any good. They weren't real. Or at the least, they were idols uh, and worship was going to demons. And there, there's no such thing. There's only one God, and His name is Yahweh, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit in one God. Uh, three persons, one substance. Uh, there's just one God. So that's, that's what he's saying. The, don't, don't go after this worthless way. Go after the way that can do something for you. Uh, we, we're trying to get you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Turn to this God who made all that is, and he can truly make a change in your life. So what are they doing? They're explaining their view. They're giving more information. Sometimes there's a, I remember hearing John MacArthur one time said he was talking to this man, sharing the gospel, and, and uh, the man, uh, you know, said, well, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. He said, now I can follow Jesus, Jesus and Buddha, okay? So now there's some more explanation needed, right? Uh, because we're to follow just the one true 
God. And so he had to go back with him and do some more explanation. So keep explaining. Keep, keep, uh, uh, keep doing that. Uh, that's one thing we did with the kids. I remember one time, uh, Megan, she was, she was little. I think she was maybe four years old or something. And uh, we were taking her to uh, the pediatric endocrinologist in Mount Pleasant, Texas. And uh, I was actually, it was actually just me and her. And uh, she, for some reason, had gotten curious about hell. And that drive took about 40 minutes. And can I tell you something? She asked me question after question after question about hell for 40 minutes and then never asked me another question about it again. Uh, so uh, she got, I guess she got all her questions answered, but... Uh, you know, keep explaining. And, you know, your kids will be open to some explanation. They'll be ready for some. They won't be ready for others. Uh, keep explaining what you can, uh, uh, why you can, uh, to help them go on the right path. All right. So overcoming deception, how do you do it? You need to keep sharing, keep questioning, keep explaining, keep investing. Keep investing. Look at verse 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and had made many disciples. They're continuing to investigate, invest in the work of evangelism. Look at verse 22. Strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. So they're making disciples, they're strengthening, they're encouraging. These are ongoing processes. They've gone through these things. I'd be tempted not to go back to the place that's tried to stone me to death, uh, right? Where do they go? They go right back to Lystra after spending some time in Derby. And what are they doing? They're strengthening the church. They're discipling the people. Uh, they're investing in the lives of these folks with the Word of God uh, so that they can become the people that God has called them to be. Uh, keep investing in others. Don't give up. Uh, one of, the, one of the neat things, I, I've, not, I've not seen a lot of people come to Christ uh, late in life, but one of, one of the neatest things to see is when somebody comes to Jesus for salvation after many years of not knowing Him. Um, what, what a blessed thing it is. And, you know, uh, we, my neighbor whose, whose kids are praying for him for so many years, uh, he, came to, he came to faith in Christ in his 80s. In his 80s. Can you imagine that? They didn't give up. They kept praying for him. They kept talking to him about Jesus. And he came to Christ. Um, so keep investing. Keep investing in your kids. Keep investing in those friends uh, who, are, who are believers in Christ. And, uh, you know, sometimes one, one of our uh, body may go through a struggle. And they may need some extra investment. And you, you give that extra attention in that time of struggle. Uh, and then other times, you may be the one needing that investment, right? And they invest in you, that time, that prayer, uh, that counsel, whatever the case may be. Um, we continue to invest in the kingdom of God, right? Uh, we will never reach a time where we don't need God's people. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Paul says, not that I've attained. I, in other words, I haven't attained. If Apostle Paul hasn't attained, you and I haven't attained. If we've not attained... Uh, we've, we have some, some uh, distance to go, and we need God's people to help us get there. Uh, that's the way God has designed things to work. And so we need to invest in one another. And as we do that, you can do that through service. Some of you have gifts of service, and you invest 
by helping others and showing the love of Jesus through acts of service. That's a great way to invest in the kingdom of God. Others of you invest with your words. God's given you more speaking gifts, and you have the gift of gab, right? And so you're able to invest by encouraging or by uh, teaching or, or, or something along those lines. Others of you invest maybe by showing mercy to people who are hurting. Uh, and you're investing in the body of Christ. We have several people like that in this church who do that on a regular basis. And uh, what, a, what a profound ministry that is. As you invest in the kingdom of God, it brings forth fruit. Uh, and and uh, as Paul and Barnabas continued to invest, God established these churches. And they were able to move forward for the kingdom of God. One of the exciting things to me about ministry is not just what happens in the four walls of this church, although I do get excited about that. I also get excited about those kids that grow up, who've been trained in this church, who go out, and who are serving Jesus in various places in our country, uh, maybe in this local area, and they're, having, they're sharing a light. Um, I, I, by the way, I don't know if you know this, our church bought some Bibles for some kids at Anderson County High School. Um, and we, uh, we invested, Megan was sharing with me about uh, one girl who received one of those Bibles. And she said she has bought tabs for that Bible. She highlights that Bible. She is so excited about what God is doing in her life. Listen, I want to tell you something. That fires me up. My daughter is serving Jesus because of this church. We don't know. One day we get to heaven, we'll get to find out the difference that she's made. My son seems to have a gift of talking to people who are agnostics and atheists. And he, he had, this has been a couple months ago, but he had, he had a, a discussion with a man for about an hour as they drove to a work site uh, about the things of God. Had a great discussion with him. I don't know what will come of that discussion, but I, I'm praying that that man will come to faith in Jesus. How many lives will be touched? What about Carlos? We got Carlos. He's serving the Lord. He was trained. He was saved. He was discipled in this church. He's now in El Salvador, uh, preaching the gospel on the street, teaching another generation of kids uh, about the things of God. And, and they're, they're being raised up to serve Jesus Christ. We're impacting another country through the ministry of this church and through the faithful discipleship and investment of God's people. And that's exciting to me. Don't quit investing. You never know what God's going to do with it. Uh, I, you know, we, we, uh, I remember when I was growing up, uh, there was a, a little boy, uh, and the preacher said that uh, I think that boy will be in prison when he grows up. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he was something else. But can I tell you something? God is working and using him as an adult in a local church in that area. You just do not know what your investment is going to bring about as you serve the Lord. Don't give up. Keep on investing in the kingdom of God. There's nothing more important, nothing uh, that bears a better fruit than that. So uh, overcoming deception, how do we do it? You need to keep sharing, keep questioning, keep explaining, keep investing, keep praying. Keep praying. Verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, the elders were pastors, uh, they were appointed these elders in every church and prayed with fasting. They committed them to the Lord 
in whom they had believed. So they're appointing leaders. By the way, that's always a good practice to pray about it before you appoint leaders. Uh, sometimes I hear about churches, they just stick anybody with a pulse into a leadership position. That is not a good idea. Uh, you know, we need to look at what God's qualifications are. We need to pray uh, over those decisions because they can impact a lot of people. Uh, so Paul does that, but he also is, is committing them to the Lord. Not, not just the, the leaders, but the church. He says they appointed elders in every church, and they committed them to the Lord. How? With prayer and fasting. You see, Paul couldn't be there. He is a missionary. He's going from place to place establishing churches, which means he's not going to stay in some of those places, right? So what's he doing? He's praying to the Lord. One of the neat things about prayer is it can impact people on the other side of the globe instantaneously. Um, When your kids age out of your house and they are adults, you don't have the same level of protection, right? I, you want to protect your kids, right? You want to, you want to be there for them and, and, and uh, provide counsel for them and all these kinds of things. But when they grow up, they, they leave, and the situation is different. You can still have an influence on them, and, and that's good to do. Uh, but it's different. But one thing that you can do that will always make a difference, you can pray for them. And I love the fact that my Jesus can walk with my kids where I can't walk with them. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing what God can do. But it's not just with our kids. This is true of the church. Are there some things you can't do? Of course there are. There's some things I can't do? Of course there are. But as we obey God, as we fulfill the purpose and the role that God has given us to fulfill, God does the heavy lifting of building His church. And we can trust him with the process, and we can intercede for brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I think of uh, uh, another uh, individual who was influenced heavily through this church. He would tell you that, and that's Zach McGill, who served on staff here with us. Um, he's got some other influences in his life as well. But uh, one of the things that, I, that I've done, I pray for him every day. I've got a list of people that I, I pray for each day that have been pastor friends or those kinds of things, that people that uh, God lays on my heart. And I believe we have a role in his ministry uh, through the prayers of this, through, through the investment, as we just talked about, but also through the prayers of this body as we pray for him. Uh, and... And prayer has this ability. Listen, it's not just about this church, right? It's about the kingdom of God. And so as we intercede, we can pray for missionaries on the other side of the world. Uh, I've got several missionaries that I pray for by name. Uh, and, and, and we can pray uh, for family members maybe that we've not seen in a couple of decades that are maybe more distant family members. We can pray for them, and we can make an impact. And so Paul and Barnabas, they're saying, hey, we're traveling. We're going back uh, to Syria and Antioch, and we're leaving this region of Galatia. But we're not stopping our prayers for you. I love what Paul says in one of his letters. He says, God forbid that I should sin against you by failing 
to pray for you. Did you know I pray for every one of my churches that I've pastored every single day? I do. Uh, this is a call of God, and I hope you pray for this church. I hope that you pray uh, that for God's protection for this church and God's, uh, the spiritual growth of this church and that we'll fulfill the purposes that God has put this church here to fulfill. Because there is power in it. Paul prays for these churches and, and all these intercessions. One day, Paul would die. And you know what I found fascinating? The work of the church continued. Perhaps the prayers that he had prayed years before for these churches are still bearing fruit in these churches as they reach people for Jesus after his death. That's the potential of the gospel. That's the potential of the power of our God and the power of our prayers. Some of the prayers you pray for your kids may be answered after you're dead and gone. That's why we need to pray consistently for our kids. So, um, keep praying. And prayer helps to overcome deception. And by the way, if you're, if you're witnessing to somebody who's lost, keep praying for God to... Uh, counteract the work of the devil. What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says that the, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest they should repent and believe and be saved. Uh, so how can we counteract that? We can encounter, Guess what? God is more powerful than Satan. Did you know that? <laughs> Praise God. We can pray for these lost people that we're talking to or, or uh, that we've spoken to in the past, and we can ask God to remove the blinders that are there and to, to let the Word of God penetrate and convict and, and convince, and, and God can work in that person's life and bring them to faith. I believe in the power of praying for lost people. Um. We, we, uh, we've got a, a prayer box here, but um, we, we had one in my previous church as well we, where we put the names of lost people who needed to find a relationship with Jesus. And uh, I've had testimonies that you guys have shared with me about people who've been saved that we've prayed for uh, here in this church. Uh, I remember this one lady, her name was Brenda, and, and she um, got really excited about this. And she put a lot of her family members' names in, in this prayer box for salvation. And um, my last service there, I was baptizing her uh, niece and her husband, uh, who were some of the people that she'd put in that prayer box. And then uh, she had a whole pew of people from her family that she'd been praying for sitting in that church. And she was back there weeping, just weeping with joy of what God had done. Listen, don't you let the devil tell you that, is, that, that you can't reach somebody or that, that the deception is too great or that this person's a lost cause. We serve a God who can do all things. Keep praying. Overcoming deception, how do you do it? You need to keep sharing, keep questioning, Keep explaining, keep investing, and keep praying. And I love what John says. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. And Father, I pray that you will use this body of believers to make a difference uh, in, in the lives of, of each, each person here, but also, God, in the, in the community in which we serve. Um, and as we send people out, God, to fulfill the purposes that you have for them, whether uh, to be a missionary or to uh, serve maybe in another state somewhere, uh, but, but to shine your light. Lord, I pray that the light of Jesus Christ would be shining forth in many places through the ministry of this church. And God, I pray that, that uh, the deception of this world and of the enemy would be overcome through the prayers and the evangelism and the investment of the people of this church. God, let us not give up or become weary in well-doing, for after due time we will reap if we faint not. Father, help us put our trust in you and to move forward in faith. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day that they would make a choice to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus and receive him. Uh, thank you for the work Jesus did at the cross to make that possible. And we pray it in Jesus' name.